0: been mentioned uh, several times during the service today. Um, We're focusing on prayer throughout um, this summer, at least the second half of the summer. We're looking at prayers in the Bible, and today's focus, of course, is the Lord's Prayer, which you've already said three times. Um, You said it once during the call to worship. You said it a second time during the children's sermon and a third time following the morning prayer. Where in the world did this come from? Well, it came from Jesus. We're looking in Matthew chapter 6. In the Sermon on the Mount, right there in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, is this um, teaching from Jesus about prayer. And so we're going to pick up in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is the one speaking. He says, Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us, excuse me, do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of God for us the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, We thank you for the privilege of being able to come to you in prayer. And at this hour, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are truly our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I'd like to make the argument this morning that the most underutilized power on earth is not natural gas or wind or solar or even nuclear. I believe the most underutilized power on earth is the power of God channeled through prayer. <coughs> Excuse me. According to the Pew Research Center, 55% of Americans say they pray every day, and another 23% say they pray at least once a week, which means that roughly 78% of Americans regularly participate in prayer. I would hope that that percentage would be even higher if I surveyed this room. Because, in fact, the same survey showed that 20% of Americans who are not affiliated with any religion at all say they pray, which I find to be both weird and hopeful. And yet only a very small percentage of Americans have a specific time set aside each day for prayer. Why is that? Are we just too busy? Are we embarrassed? Do we think it doesn't work? Many Christians regard prayer as their spiritual airbag. You know what I mean? Uh, In my Toyota um, manual, there's uh, this information that says, frontal airbags for the driver and right front passenger are designed to deploy in moderate to severe crashes. Yeah, I think many Christians believe that prayer is their airbag only to be used in case of emergencies. I heard about two fishermen this week who were caught out on the ocean in a small boat when a violent thunderstorm came up, uh, just like the ones that, uh, that we've been seeing so often. And as the waves grew higher and higher and the boat threatened to capsize, they got desperate and decided to pray. And in the worst of the waves and the thunder and the lightning, one of the men shouted out, Oh God, you know I haven't bothered you for the last 15 years. If you'll only get me through this, I won't bother you for another 15. I believe prayer is one of God's greatest gifts to us. In fact, one of the resources I came across this week said that the main job of the church is to teach people to pray. I've been pondering on that, and I invite you to ponder it as well. I don't know if it's our main job. I would say our main job is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But what I like about the author's statement is that by emphasizing prayer, it emphasizes God's work in the world and not just our own. And as Christians, perhaps the most basic theological statement to recognize is that there is a God and you and I are not it. Prayer gets us in touch with the God who is, who was, and forever will be. And so here at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches his followers how to connect with the one who is, who was, and forever will be. Now it's interesting to note that Jesus doesn't teach the disciples um, any kind of special skill in in, um, the process of praying. He doesn't say, you know, if you fold your hands a certain way or hold your hands out a certain way, if you kneel or stand or sit, or if you use a particular prayer language, that that will help your prayers get answered better. No, if that were the case, then the answer to our prayers would be a human achievement instead of something that a merciful and gracious God does for us. And let's be clear. Prayer is not about having special skills or saying the right words to reach God's ear. When would we sinful, imperfect humans ever get that right? No, prayer is not about humans taking the initiative and trying to reach up to God in an attempt to shout into his ear. It is just the opposite. The picture that comes to my mind is one of a small child who wants to tell his daddy something important. What does dad do? He bends down. He draws close. He puts his arm around his child. And and with those special words that come only from a child's heart, those whispers, those sentences that don't always make sense to the father, they're the most precious words that that he's ever heard. So even in the midst of all of those incomplete sentences and funny words and the times that we don't know what to pray for, I believe God hears us. The soft requests, the demanding temper tantrums, God hears them all in love. And so that's where Jesus starts. Jesus actually teaches us to call God daddy. Showing an intimacy an infection. The next thing that Jesus points out about prayer is in verses 7 and 8. He says, prayer is not evaluated by the volume or the capacity or the quantity of your words. Rather, it's by simple faith and sincerity. I think some folks pray really long, repetitious prayers because they believe in the lottery principle. You know, the lottery principle, the more tickets you buy, the better chance you got of winning. Right? I think a lot of people think if I, if I say enough words, maybe one of them will get up to heaven. Right? But that's not how it works. Chapter 18 in First Kings shows a, a prayer showdown, a contest, if you will, between a prophet of God named Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal. The Baal prophets, they shouted all day long. They kept praying to their God. They slashed themselves with swords. They danced around. They kept making their voices louder and louder, and nothing happened. And then finally, Elijah prayed. There's no indication he even raised his voice. He just shared two sentences. And when he said, Amen, fire rained down from heaven. No, God is not hard of hearing. Long prayers are not necessarily better than short ones. But I do think they should be specific and not generic. Now, that's just my opinion, but I think that's taking advantage of God. You know, if, you know I, this, is, this is what I mean. You, know, you, you can kind of sum up the way a lot of people in American churches pray today like this. Father, thank you for your blessings. Please continue to bless us. And if you'll continue to bless us, we'll continue to thank you for our blessings. Amen. Jesus says it's not how much you say to God that matters, but it's how you say it and what you say it. John Bunyan, the great Christian writer, once said, when you pray, it would be better to let your heart be without words than your words be without heart. Well, the Lord Jesus, he gives us a model for praying. He gives us a system, if you will. He's not telling us so much what to pray. He's telling us how to pray. And in following this system, it is amazing how beautifully simple and how simply beautiful prayer can be. He said in real prayer, you ought to do four things. Starting with number one. Start with praise. Praise, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Before bringing your wish list to God, thank him for who he is and what he's been doing in your life and in this world, all the way from Calvary's Cross to Wilmington and Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. In fact, that's the first real secret of prayer to focus on the Father. As we pray, we are to make sure that we hallow God's name. That is the first purpose of prayer, to lift up God's name, to magnify God's name, to bless God's name, to exalt God's name. In the Bible, a name represented character. We were to praise and glorify God because of his character, because he's great and mighty, (coughs) excuse me, masterful and merciful. And when you focus on the Father, You will want the Father's will in your life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, prayer is not about getting what you want. It's about getting what God wants. Prayer is not telling God what's on your mind. It's finding out what's on God's mind. The purpose of prayer is not to get God in line with your will. It's to get your will in line with God. So first of all, we start with praise. Secondly, share your petitions. Give us this day our daily bread. Now bread in Jesus' day represented survival. It was something you had to have each day in order to eat, in order to survive. This is a a world in which meat was pretty scarce. So it represented your daily needs. You had to have bread in order to survive. So we're to go to God with our needs. And I emphasize the word needs because I think this is where some of us get off track when it comes to prayer. Because a lot of people are praying for what they want when God says, I'll give you anything you need. David Gehring, uh, the you know, retired pastor that's doing our, our uh, teaching on James this month, um, he's, uh, it's, he reminded me that in James chapter 4, it says, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures, says the book of James. Notice Jesus did not say, give us this day our daily ice cream. Oh, I wish he had, you know. No, a wise father is not a father that gives his children everything they want, but gives the children everything they need. So whatever your needs are, bring those to God. And then third, seek God's pardon. We started with praise, we went with petition, now we're with pardon. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass Against us. Every prayer should contain confession and cleansing. Just as clogged arteries must be cleared out in order for the blood to flow through easily, the prayer channel to heaven must be freed from the debris of sin in order for the prayers to flow easily. You remember Corey Ten Boom, the great Christian writer from Amsterdam? Her entire family was sent to a Nazi concentration camp because they harbored Jews during World War II. Her sister and father died there in the concentration camp. And after the war, she began to speak to churches all over Europe, and she often spoke about forgiveness. Until one day, she was speaking to a large crowd, and she saw out on the fourth row one of the former SS guards that was stationed at her concentration camp. And she remembered him specifically as being a particularly difficult guard to deal with. Well, she gave her talk that evening, and afterward, the guard approached her, thanked her for her talk, and said, Fräulein, you mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. I was a guard there. But since that time, I've become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I've done, but I'd like to hear it from your lips. Froylein, will you forgive me? He extended his hand. She said her hand froze to her side. It would not shake his. She said a silent prayer and still her hand would not move. She's beginning to get embarrassed in this moment. So she prayed again. She said, dear Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your strength, please. And at that moment, a force that was bigger than her brought her hand up to meet his. And she said, at the moment that their hands touched, she felt a power that was so much stronger than anything in her life. She said, I forgive you, brother, with all that I am, with God's help. We can forgive even the unforgivable. Not only are we to ask for forgiveness, we are to give forgiveness. There can be no worship heavenward if there is no fellowship earthward. You cannot be right with God if you are not right with your brother and sister. Here's your phrase to take home with you this week, all right? A grudge is a sludge that dams the river of prayer. All right? A grudge is a sludge that dams the river of prayer. I don't know who said it, but I love it. If you're going to expect to get forgiveness from God, you've got to be willing to give that forgiveness to others. Jesus is very specific about this at the end of this section, which brings us to our fourth and final point. Secure God's power. Praise, petition, pardon, and power. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're to pray every day to be delivered from evil. Now here's something that United Methodists don't talk a whole lot about, and I think we should. You know, we talk an awful lot about forgiveness. We talk very little about deliverance. But this is part of John Wesley's belief in sanctification. In fact, his brother Charles wrote about it in a song where he wrote, Take away our bent to sinning. And I'll give you extra credit if you remember which hymn that's from. Um, too often, the average Christian spends all their life confessing the same sins over and over and over again. And I think what we need to be doing instead is spending, of spending um, so much time confessing, we need to spend more time praying for deliverance from those sins in the first place. That's why all prayer should end up in victory. Victory over sin, victory over self. Victory over evil or the evil one. I close by telling you that um, this, this section on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, it's, um, it's actually in a larger section about hypocrisy, which seems kind of weird. But um, if you look up at the first four verses right above this, um, it's, Jesus is saying, don't be hypocritical in your giving. And then in the, in the section right after this, he says, don't be hypocritical in your fasting. But in this section, obviously, he's saying, don't be hypocritical in your praying. So to put it simply, I think what he's trying to say is keep it real, y'all. You know, be honest, be open, be truthful, be vulnerable. Don't be hypocritical where you pray, how you pray, when you pray, what you pray for. Basically, I cannot say our, as in our Father, if I'm not in fellowship with other Christians. And I can't say Father if I don't demonstrate that relationship in my daily life. And I can't say in heaven if I'm so preoccupied with earth that I never think about heaven. And I can't say hallowed be your name if I do not by holy living exalt his name. And I cannot say your kingdom come if I'm not doing all in my power to hasten its coming. And I cannot say your will be done if I'm not obedient to the will of God in my life. I can't say on earth as it is in heaven if I'm not prepared to give my life on earth as it is in heaven. And I can't say give us this day our daily bread if I'm not trusting him for my daily needs. I can't say forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us if I'm harboring a grudge against somebody else. And I can't say do not lead us into temptation if I'm deliberately placing myself in the way of temptation. Finally, I can't say deliver us from evil if I'm not prepared to fight evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. But, but if you are willing to give that type of prayer and mean it, not just with your words, but with your heart, well, you'll have a hotline to heaven. And so if you're ready, join with me in praying it again. Our Father, who art in heaven,